Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where we discuss the secrets of the universe. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. I'm Tara. And I'm Meredith. Hi, ladies. How is everybody? Great. Good. Great. Yeah. Yay. I like hearing that. (laughs) Except for the giant storm outside. Doing awesome. Although it's perfect (laughs) book reading weather, right? Like giant storms. I just want to be cuddled up in my bed and, you know, big book. Yeah, Which is exactly what I plan to do after this podcast recording. Jealous, <laughs> yeah, I love so jealous. <laughs> uh, um, Hi, how are you, Jeanette? Doing great. Uh, I've been on a reading kick since May. It was like a really good reading month. Um, I found lots of books like super interesting, and I finally replaced the bookshelf that jumped out at me, and. <laughs> Got my library started building up, and um, then my Kindle tried to murder my phone. So, you know, my my reading life is very possessive, and <laughs> yeah, you're it, it only was... allowed to enjoy books one or two ways, Jeanette. Don't you know that? <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if you know, one day you try to find me for recording a podcast, and I'm not here, the books have taken me hostage. <laughs> Those books, I'll, man. I'll, 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 I'll call 911 for you, I promise. <laughs> no, you won't. You'll start opening the books and trying to find me. That's <laughs> uh, actually probably true. Magical adventures, Trump calling the police. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's the case in all the books we read anyway, right? <laughs> Might exactly. as well keep up yeah. the trend. You're not true. <laughs> yeah. How, How are you guys Meredith? doing? <laughs> oh, I'm pretty good. Um, unfortunately, I think I'm trying to get out of a reading slump. Uh, the past month has not been good for reading, um, but I think I'm getting there, and yeah. I'm also super excited for some upcoming stuff, as in Tara coming to visit and Awesome <laughs> Con. Woo, Awesome Con! It's going to be so much Not fun. woo, Tara's coming to visit, woo, Awesome Con, which don't get me wrong, <laughs> Awesome Con has like David Tennant and like Catherine Tate and a bunch of like great people who are not me, but man, Jeanette, man. <laughs> I see where the priorities are, Jeanette. (laughs) You don't understand. Awesome Con is just going to be super incredible, not just because, you know, David Tennant, Catherine Tate, but like also Tara will be there. Uh, My brother will be there. Like every, you know, everybody is like going to come together and like this big super group of Star Wars pajama wearing people. It's going to be It's going to be so fun. <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be the most comfy cosplay I've ever freaking worn. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's like taken on this like super, super day in my head and it's three super days. So, Aww. yeah, that's cute. <laughs> so how are you, Susan? Um, I am good. I'm actually in the same boat as you, Meredith. I've been in a kind of a book slump the past couple months. Mm. Um, Yeah, I only read three books last month. Um, Only three. Yeah, (laughs) only three. (laughs) But I think I'm finally getting out of it. Um, I went to the library with the girls the other day, and um, I borrowed some graphic novels like Lumberjanes and Mouse Guard. Um, so I think that'll kind of help me get out of it. I think one of the problems is, uh, wise man's fear is like incredibly long. (laughs) Oh yeah. So uh, it was kind of keeping me bogged down. Um, is that the sequel to name of the wind? Yes. You finally read it. Yeah. Well, I listened to the audio book. Um, 
But yeah, it just it's such a big book. Like it just kind of kept me. And there's some parts that I kind of didn't like. So anyways, um, now that that's done, I'm kind of like getting out. And so I'm starting on some lighter, easier reads to kind of get me out of it. So, yeah. You don't mm-hmm. talk about That's Mouse Guard good. enough. I freaking love Mouse Guard. <laughs> I always hear good things, so I'm excited to start it. <laughs> yeah. um, and speaking of Name um, name of the Wind, Wise Man's Fear, what's everybody reading right now? Tara? Oh, man. So, okay. Santa Clara <laughs> came out with a new book. Hello, Santa. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, she came out with a new book, which is the second in the Dark Artifacts series. Artifices? Artifices? I think it's Artifices. Artifices, so. right? The dark artifices. Um, so, of course, that means I immediately crack it open because I have a problem. <laughs> Serious problem. Um, so that's the Lord of Shadows. And that's pretty much what I'm reading. Of course, um, a Conjuring of Light is sitting on my uh, bedside table, ready to be read it as well. And um, and I just bought just a ton, a ton of old school X-Men comics nice. because Kindle and, and, um, comic, uh, X comicsology. Thank you. Comicsology. Um, I'm like, what is that thing called? They had a giant (laughs) sale. So like I got 10 to 12 years of comics for like three bucks. Nice. And so I was like, yep, I need all of X factor. I need all of Excalibur. (laughs) I need all of, just don't tell my husband I did this. (laughs) So um, I'm going to be slowly going through that and, and re enjoying my childhood in comics because it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, What about you, Susan? What are you reading other than Wise Man's Fear? And give us like a rating level on that one, by the way. Wise Man's Fear? Um, I would give it a four. Um, (gasps) Out of ten? Five, sorry. Four or five. Okay. Um, (laughs) It was really good. But there were just some parts that I just kind of didn't enjoy. Um, And it dragged on a little bit. There were parts where I'm just like, okay, can we just kind of figure this out? (laughs) Like what happened? But he gets to leave the university. And you see more of the world. <laughs> yes, it's fabulous. <laughs> I like Jeanette and I. It's like mutual gasp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. He leaves the university for a reason. And uh, he's gone for like a year. And like he goes on these trials. So you see different cities and different cultures. It's really, really good. It's so cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was really good. I liked it. Uh, it's just those few points that I was just like, meh. Um, but so I just finished that. I, uh, just started the sweetness at the bottom of the pie by Alan Bradley. Um, it's one of those cozy mysteries. Um, Ooh. yeah. And everybody keeps saying good things about it. So I'm giving it a shot. Um, and then I also started, well, I'm now halfway through volume one of Lumberjanes. So. Yay. Oh, cool. Yep. Ooh, that's on my so stack. Cute. <laughs> so cute, Susan. You're going to love it so much. It is. It is adorable. It's not kind of not really... I expected, but in a good way. So in a good way, yeah. Yep, in yeah, a the good way. Characters are just so fracking endearing. Yeah. <laughs> so what you um, mean, Meredith? Uh, well, I'm kind of trying to do what you're doing to getting out of the reading slump. So I started the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by yay! Ryan North and Erica Henderson. <laughs> yes. Uh, and for our listeners who listened to last month, you know that Ryan North wrote Romeo and or Juliet that we read last month. And, yeah, I can definitely tell it's written by the same person. <laughs> he definitely yep. <laughs> has a specific voice in his writing. Yep. Um, yes. 
yeah. which I think is better for the comics personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just really wacky and silly and funny. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And I don't know if uh, you got to see it, but a, a trailer for the next uh, film adaptation of the murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie came out this week. Oh yeah, And so I was uh, looking at the trailer, and so that kind of got me in the mood for some more Agatha Christie. So I went on to my, uh, my library to see what uh, Christie audiobooks were available. And most of them were checked out, unfortunately. But I did get my first Miss Marple mystery. Ooh. Called, Ooh. Yeah, and it's called They Do It With Mirrors. So that sounds sexy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Miss Marple doesn't tend to be like erotica. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I'm just saying. You know, there's a. That's what she said in the that title of that book. <laughs> Someone's gonna point it out. Might as well be me. Yeah. So I haven't actually gotten to the point where I understand even what that means. Um, so I'll let you know. But um, I hope they're I, not just giving away how they do the murder. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, um, I mean, it's it's interesting, um, and I, I really enjoy listening to Agatha Christie's books because, at least the ones that I've listened to, a lot of it really is dialogue, and so I'm I'm able to follow it pretty easily via audiobook as opposed to a lot of flowery descriptions and things where I stop paying attention. Uh, so, I'm doing that, and I also started The Crown's Fate by Evelyn Skye, which uh, yeah. I'm enjoying it so far. That's the second book, the sequel to The Crown's Game, which came out last year. And I know I've talked a time or two about it. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to talk about the second book because that would give things away. But in the first book, if you like YA fantasy with uh, dueling magicians and a love triangle set in Imperial Russia, I would say pick up this book. It was good. It's high on my list to get to. So that's what I'm reading in hopes that it'll get me out of my reading slump. <laughs> and so, Jeanette, what are you reading? I'm about to finish um, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore by Robin Sloan. Um, it's, you know, it's not quite what I expected, but it's fine. Um, it's about this bookstore with this secret society, and I thought it was going to be more, like, mysterious and like fantasy and book stuff but it's actually like really interestingly about like like the book world meaning the tech world in a lot of ways so that's kind of cool yeah um and i just started the left hand of darkness um by ursula k Le Guin. yeah so i'm not too far into that one yet so i'm still kind of trying to get a feel for like how I'm going to like it, but, um, it's a classic though. Yeah. Um, so, but I just started it like maybe, maybe 20 pages in. So not very far at all, uh-huh. but I'm really excited because I'm with these two books, I'm going to be almost completely caught up to my ER med libs. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I've got like maybe three books left, including these two. So you're making a comeback, yes. Jeanette. <laughs> I'm working on it, dude. <laughs> I worked really hard in May. <laughs> I mean, which reminds me, our ER Mad Libs ends Saturday, June 24th. Yep. 
at 8 p.m. You must have all of your submissions submitted in order to be entered into our fabulous prize drawing, which is mm-hmm. fabulous. You should absolutely think about doing it. Um, <laughs> which also happens to correspond with our readathon, um, which starts Friday, June 23rd at 8 p.m. Um, and will go till Friday, June 24th. At 8 p.m., see see the correlation there. See it there. <laughs> um, we're going to have a ton of challenges and goals and ways to earn points. So join us on Goodreads. Um, get into the group. You know, we're going to have a whole discussion thread there where people can do their check-ins and and cor- you know get all their points. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already all decided when we're going to be um, modding the event. Uh, so. Even if you're up at 2 a.m. and you know you're in Australia and you're wide awake, we'll be there with you. We'll be there with you reading. So, so that's come true. And hang out with us. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, uh, guys, it's Pride Month. It's June. Which Happy Pride, everybody! Yay! Yay. Um. And, which goes along really well with the we we swear we don't do this we don't do this on purpose but it goes really well with the book we picked up for this month. Um, I hope that's not a spoiler alert for anybody. <laughs> um, but it got us thinking, you know, about books that we read growing up or, or books that we've read even now because let's face it, we're never done growing up, right? Mm. Um, books that we read growing up that have helped shape our identity our sexuality, um, just the way we look at the world. Um, so we thought that that would be a really interesting discussion. Um, you know, let's start off with Meredith, Mare. When you look back oh. and you think about, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm putting you in the hot seat. You haven't said much. Uh, um, when you look back, uh, you know, at your reading life, you know, what books have really had an impact on you? Well, the books that have had an impact on me, um, I don't know if they've necessarily shaped my identity, but um, they've definitely made me a huge fantasy fan. Uh, Having my dad read The Hobbit aloud to me uh, and my sisters when I was probably about six years old, I think really just uh, cemented the fact that I was going to love fantasy my entire life. Um, And so Tolkien holds a special place in my heart because of that. And growing up, I loved Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Did you guys read that series at all when you were growing I, I, up? I watched the movie. Yeah, I watched the, the mm, one movie count. that was so good. I love that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. Movie, I think I never got a chance to, like, actually, like, pick it up. It was in, like, our classroom library, and I never don't think I ever got my turn. Aw. <laughs> Well, I know this is cliche, but the book is better than the movie. It's so much better. You should read the book. Um, so I like I read those all the time because there was I think there was another two, but you know, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats and Them was definitely the the big one. And then I also just like was always devouring the Redwall series, which man, the 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 author died a few years ago, but I think there's twenty something books in this series by the end. And I've read most of them, um, and I really enjoyed them. But again, it's it's set in a fantasy world with talking animals. So I just I like talking animals. You know, you got Narnia, <laughs> you got you got Redwall, you got Mrs. Frisbee. Um, so I would say I really just enjoy fantasy and talking animals. 
even to this day, um, <laughs> which, you know, I'm, I'm fine with. Um, but I also, I think another book that has really stuck with me over time uh, was To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. And the first time I read that book, I was 10. So I was probably too young to be reading it um, because there's definitely stuff going over my head, especially um, I didn't really understand what Tom was being accused of in the trial. Um, but I knew that he didn't do it and it was wrong that he was being treated unfairly because of the color of his skin. Um, and so I think that's really stuck with me too. Um, and I've read it multiple times since then. And I think every time I read it, I definitely get something new out of it. So do you think that that book helped frame your understanding of what being American means? Just going. Um, I don't know. I mean, I am from the South. I'm not from the deep South, but, Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting to read it as, you know, as, you know, you're still kind of in the innocence of childhood and you don't really understand why people are getting treated badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I would like to think that maybe it's helped with my sense of empathy for others. Mm-hmm. But I think reading does that in general, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if you're reading books that are that not that don't have characters that are just like you, you know, where right. you're reading outside of your own culture or your own race or things like that. Um, I think books are a really great way to to build up empathy. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really great point. Uh, what about you? Who am I going to use? Who's my next victim? Susan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the hot seat now. <laughs> Um, I agree with you, Meredith. Um, I think that's one of the huge things that kind of shaped who I am is, uh, you know, really empathizing with people, um, as everybody now should know. (laughs) I love Anna Green Gables. Um, You do? (laughs) I, you know, specifically, I love Ella Montgomery. Um, I've read several of her books now, and she has a really... um, uh, she has like one theme going across all her books is like it's a it's a woman or a young girl um, protagonist who kind of struggles in life and they have some hardships, um, but they kind of just work really hard and they persevere, um, and and then they, it comes out all right in the end. You know, um, it might not necessarily be like a super happy ending, but they are content with the life that they led, um, or going through the the troubles that they've been going through in the book. Um, And I think that's really important because, um, you know, that that helped me understand, like, oh, there's some things that people go through that is really hard, but you can try, you know, try hard, work hard, and, you know, have a good support system with whomever it is, family, friends, um, and you can make it through. And that's the kind of hope that I like to read about. Um, I'm not... and to me, that's different than false hope. Not yeah, where you just kind of hope that things will get better, but you kind of just sit there and do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she has none of that in her books, and I love it. <laughs> so, I think that's one thing that really shaped who I was. Um, but then there are books like Babysitters Club and Sweet Valley High. I think I've read <laughs> the the whole entire series at least once <laughs> through middle school and high school. Um, 
and again, I mean, even though it's kind of like, you know, your average American type of scenario, um, there were different types of people that you get to kind of understand. And then um, Boxcar Children is another one where you kind of empathize with the kids. Um, love that series. Um, so, I, I mean, I just kind of see a, a trend going here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'd have to say I, I have a fairly similar, well, I don't know, fairly similar. <laughs> so, um, I, I had a friend when I went to sleepaway camp who was, well, actually, this is just true of my entire life. I feel like I've always befriended people who are much smarter than me. Which I think is really just a good thing to do, by the way. Um, <laughs> but because of that, they were they were always much more advanced in their reading, like not reading level. Like I couldn't keep up with the actual words, but in in the content mm-hmm. of said books. And because of that, I think I got introduced to books that maybe maybe I shouldn't have at that age. <laughs> um, and but before I get into the other things, what I think most of them have that I think really really shaped me is a extremely it is an extremely capable female protagonist mm-hmm. um you know uh miss of avalon is the female take of the authorian story biting the sun has a female protagonist um narnia and hp don't have um female protagonists but they have strong female characters inside the book um the tiger and dell series Dell is an extremely capable female protagonist. Um, and what's interesting about all of these people is that they're deeply flawed. Well, not, I mean, Hermione and I guess Lucy really aren't deeply flawed. You could have an argument about Susan. Let's stick with Miss of Avalon. <laughs> and, and like I said, the advance rate, Miss of Avalon, uh, Fighting the Sun, and um, the Tiger and Dell series as, as three examples of deeply flawed but deeply capable female um, female heroines who go through this very deep journey um, to really either find their purpose or to, um, you know, build a life out for themselves in one way or another. Um, the other thing I'll be had in common is they are way adult. Uh, yeah, yeah. rereading it now like I I had no I, I, I mean I think I must have known like oh this is a very sexual scene but like it didn't seem weird to me but I you know definitely I was just like maybe I shouldn't have been reading that when I was 10, 10 <laughs> or 11 <laughs> Miss of been. Avalon when you were 10 I, I made I read Miss <laughs> of Avalon when I was 11 yeah. oh well then <laughs> I read Fighting the Sun I think when I was 11 or 12 and I started the tiger and Dell series when I was 12. So, um, but, you know, <laughs> for those of you who know what that is, um, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're fairly sexual books, which, um, you know, didn't mean I was out there crazy up, but I definitely had ideas when I was a kid, um, about like what, what was normal, what wasn't like, I, um, I, I I don't know if this had to do more about my upbringing or uh, what I read or anything like that, but I like I had, you know, gay uncles and, and and lesbian aunts, and no one ever thought anything different of it. So like maybe it just never came across to me in Miss of Avalon as that odd. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess maybe I was a little. I think I was a little icked out. I was like, ew, like. Okay, I don't need. I didn't need this much detail, especially I think during the incest scenes. But that's um, fair. <laughs> yeah, especially during the incest scenes. Um, 
But other than that, like, I don't think I, it, it never came across to me as like super weird. I never had that like moment and I don't know why that is, but, but definitely maybe shouldn't have been reading it. Um, ah, eh, no, frack it. I love it. I'm, I'm happy with who I am. And that leaves me though with Jeanette. Jeanette's my last victim. Jeanette, <laughs> how did books shape your life and who you are? Um, well, you know, I, I don't remember a time when I wasn't reading I learned to read at like three so I don't really remember a time that I wasn't reading and so that was it was really hard to pick specific books but um certain things like and some of the things that you guys already said like Anne of Green Gables definitely helped shape you know how I saw the world um that hope thing is like super important but also um I used to read a lot of series like Babysitter's Club and Nancy Drew and what those really um, emphasized to me was the importance of um, like friendships and like taking leadership and thinking out of the box, creative problem solving. Mm. Um, I That was super, super important. And I remember that's impressing me a lot, especially in the babysitters club was like the impressive problem solving and the leadership skills of the girls in the club. And how they were all, like, so different from each other and yet, you know, managed to stay such close friends. Um, and in Nancy Drew, the whole, not just being creative about her problem solving, but the way she never let up on a problem until she had solved it. Like, there was a, cer- a certain amount of determination there that just really inspired me. Um like, as I got older, Jane Eyre was another one. Um, just her, the way Jane, like, stays completely true to herself through many series of circumstances that could have made, you know, other people give up, made other people turn bitter or angry, and she stays true to herself, and she just keeps going. And... Um, I mean, Harry Potter and Narnia, we've talked a lot about, so I don't want to, like, right. <laughs> really spend a whole lot of time on it. But I will say the one thing about Harry Potter that um, also sticks with me to this day that we haven't talked about much is the way um, it connects people. Mm-hmm. And it, um, like, not just in the sense of, like, making friends and fandom and all of that, but it helped me really connect with my brother, because my brother and I both read it at the same time. And over the years, every time a new book came out, except for the last one, because by then he was in college and not really reading um, as much, but all uh, every single book that came out, um, we read together and we shared that together. So it um, kind of brought me to that place where I was like, yeah, there's like books are also things that can connect people that you can talk to yeah. other people about. So. You know, don't, don't tell Alex, but I actually read two of the Harry Potter books out loud to her. <laughs> with That's voices. sweet. That's yeah. cute. She wasn't that young guys, but you know, I know. I was, <laughs> still cute. <laughs> I used to read to my brother too. And my brother, even when my brother wasn't that young. So <laughs> there's something about reading aloud to people that I really enjoy so I mean yeah me too. yeah we obviously I feel like we all sort of <laughs> love the theatricality of it a bit mm-hmm. um yeah there's actually a study 
uh, out there that says that like people who read Harry Potter are more likely to be kind, like, hmm. kind, generous people. And I'm like, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I've met because we were talking about, you know, empathy. And I know that I've read more than one article about studies that talk about how reading increases empathy. Yeah. So there was one that, yeah, just, just came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was in the past couple of weeks. It yeah. wasn't it about comparing it to like TV or something too? Yeah, right? I think yeah, so. I think so, yeah. You, the people still learn more empathy through books than TV. Which makes sense. Yeah. You don't get people's internal dialogues most of the time in TV. And I think that's... Yeah. When we understand a person's inner struggle and we mm-hmm. can relate to it, that's really yeah. where empathy comes in. But when you're just watching a story full, right. you know, unfold on television, you're not understanding everyone's internal motives. Normally, internal motives are actually purposely hidden from you so that there can be a twist. <laughs> what a twist. And mm. and so it's a different type of medium. So I completely understand yep. why that would yeah. be true. Um, well, and I, going along with that, I think um, in our main read, we, we're pretty much living inside of Ari's head. Mm-hmm. And um, I think... I think it's really interesting to get this perspective. Um, so are we ready to jump into the main read discussion? Yes, please. Definitely. All right. So this month we read Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Alir Sayans. So a super quick summary. Aristotle and Dante are two teens that seem to have nothing in common. But as these loners start spending time together, they discover that they share a special friendship, the kind that changes lives and lasts a lifetime. And it's through this friendship that Ari and Dante will learn the most important truths above th- about themselves and the kind of people they want to be. So what's one thing that stood out to you in this book? Uh, well, <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> um, I love that, like, Tara, you hate it because I remember it was your idea. <laughs> I know. I know. I regret everything. Because you know it's good. <laughs> um, well, for me, I noticed that there wasn't a lot of dialogue in this book. Um, the, the longest any conversation will go is usually with one of the parent set of parents, either Ari's parents or Dante's parents. But a lot of it um, was, uh, you know, as we kind of said, it, what Ari was thinking the whole time. But that conveyed a lot. Um, and I thought that was really interesting that the author kind of did that. I kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, and to follow up on that, like to me, what stood out was the the relationships that Ari and Dante had with their family mm-hmm. um and I love the parents and the books and I love the relationships the parents had with their kids and the way the kids and the parents spoke with each other and so I know we're gonna talk a lot about that but we are <laughs> I really really love that and maybe it's because I have parenting on the brain this week but it's um it was just really cool to me, yeah. the way uh, the author wrote those relationships. And the parents stick out. They're such a huge part of the book. Um, but I'm I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot and say that um, the thing I like most, or the thing that sticks out to me most, is Ari and Dante's immediate and true acceptance of each other. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, uh, I really specifically the scene where those kids are shooting the bird and kill the bird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ari, uh, Dante gets really upset and then Ari like has to stand, step in and like stop the fight. And, you know, Dante just turns to Ari and it's like, you like to fight. He's like, no, not really. He's like, no, you do. And like, that's it though. No. Like, it's just like another data point. You know, it's not, you know, uh, not one thing is the end all be all to any person. You know, they're very, very accepting of each other and all their little things. And I don't know, I really love them mm-hmm. and their yeah. relationship in general. <laughs> Which I all feel right, like is cheating because well, it's the point of the book. But well, okay. well, but that's, that's good that you like the relationship since that is the point of the book. Um, but yes, speaking of the parents, can you believe it? We read a YA book where all the parents are alive <laughs> and are active in I, their child's life. I mean, I honestly didn't think that was possible. I think that's why I loved I it so much. <laughs> but wasn't it so great? Yep. It was so great. It was. I mean, I get so it, though. I, I read the dialogue and I'm like, man, this must have been hard. You know, it's hard to keep bringing in the parents, this external force. I mean, but a lot of this book is about family and, what it, and personal identity and what it means to have that identity within a family. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense. But still, I mean, I, I understand why why authors um, avoid <laughs> avoid it. I'm going to use avoid. Um, avoid it by killing people off. But man, <laughs> it was good. So good. Yeah. So what did you think of Ari and Dante's parents? Did you have a favorite parent or... What would you think? Oh, I loved Ari's mom. I love the way she, I, I, I dealt with is the wrong word, but I love the way that she communicated to Ari. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, their little like challenges and their little in jokes and the way she managed to give him a touchstone that mm-hmm. she knew he needed. Um, I, I think she's really a, a, a very subtle parent. And I think, I don't know. I really, really loved her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think... Oh, go ahead, Jeanette. Oh, I was just going to say, I think each one of the parents um, had their own strength, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think tends to be true in families. Every person in a family has their own strength and kind of brings something to the dynamic. And I liked that the author created that those dynamics and he recognized that and I liked the way that, like, their sons would take traits from their parents without being fully aware of it. Mm. And that mm-hmm. the parents, you know, even recognized that and allowed it to happen and kind of allowed their kids to, like, grow and recognize these things in them, but accepted them, loved them, and even, like, fostered some of these traits, like, just kind of allowed that growth to happen. Um, it was a very um, loving and respectful um, relationship. Um, I think it made communication between, you know, these boys and their parents easier. Um, when you're looking at the, you know, the themes of the book, these boys are, you know, exploring their identities and the parents are sort of helping that happen and letting the boys come to them as they recognize these important parts of themselves. And I thought that was just 
beautiful, loving way to write that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I think I leaned more towards Dante's mom. Um, be- because a serious I mean, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, she wasn't because to me, Ari's. Ari's mom was very not stereotypical, but it's more of what I see as a Hispanic mom in like in the good sense. <laughs> um, they're usually like very forthright, um, matter of fact type of thing, very loving. Um, and I guess I didn't really see myself too much in that, so I kind of leave. But I mean, she was also great. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> I'm not saying that she was bad or anything, but both parents are great. Um, but I think I lean more towards Dante's. Dante's mom just for that reason. Um, but I did, I did like all of them. Even, mm-hmm. even Ari's dad. Cause you know, he, yeah. he was helping Ari like, you know, in his own way. Yeah. He was doing the best he could. Yeah. And I thought what? that was important the way it was shown. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk about, cause I think that's one of the biggest kind of relationships that we're really seeing develop through the book. Um, let's, let's spend some time talking about, the relationship between Ari and his dad, because um, it was definitely strained, um, especially I think because they're they're both similar and different, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they both have a hard time talking and um, especially about their feelings. <laughs> and um, so, w- what did you think about that development of their relationship throughout the book? I thought it was really sweet. Um, I thought <clears throat> not only was Ari, you know, slowly starting to get get to know his dad, but I think it was also helping Ari's dad out. Like he was struggling, you know. Um, he he was in Vietnam, um, you know, and he had those bad dreams for the war. And I think repairing the relationship with Ari really helped heal him in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was really important on both parties that, they, you know, they were able to talk in their own way <laughs> mm-hmm. um, to kind of grow closer and kind of start healing each other's wounds. I like seeing that. Yeah, it was kind of hard to, I mean, it was kind of hard to watch is kind of a funny word to say, but it's, it was hard to watch you know, these two people who, like, clearly love each other and kind of have to make, like, some distance, like, a little bit of a barrier between each other um, while they're sorting out their own, like, feelings and their own hurts and that they can't communicate with each other. But I loved watching how that unfolded, how they learned to open up to each Mm other. And, oh, man, by the end... It was just, it was so moving. (laughs) really was. Yeah, I loved, I mean, loved, I mean, I did love it because sadness is good. I don't know. Um, I I really enjoyed watching them both go through their own silent wars and how that mirrored each other and how, this is going to sound weird, but I, I think how gently... Ari's dad handled Ari. Mm-hmm, yep. I feel like, you know, even with the distance, it was a gentle distance. 
Like, it was, I think, meant to keep Ari away from the pain and the bad stuff. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I, I really, I, I mean, I'm just going to echo what everybody else said. I just really enjoyed watching it unfold and watching um, Ari and Ari's dad come to a, you know, come to a real understanding of each other and an understanding of what each other might need from their relationship and, and understanding that a relationship needs to happen. I mean, a near death experience will do that to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, you wish it wasn't quite so dramatic of a mm-hmm. thing, but um, you know, the fact that, you know, it did happen and uh, Ari's dad learned like, okay, I can't waste any more time. I think that's really important. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's one of the most significant things in the book, and it's great. I, I don't have much else to say. Yeah. Well, uh, I like that you said that it was gentle because, it, it, like, it's true. And I think in its, his own way, like, Ari was also being gentle back with his dad. Like, he was mirroring it back. Like, in the sense, like, he wanted to ask all these questions. Mm-hmm. And he was always like, you know, I can't ask my dad these questions because he's still, like, back in the war. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. That's very true. Um because, yeah, you the, you just see this definite progression as it's going. Um, definitely some of the quotes that I was, you know, really enjoying, you know, just kind of seeing them change over time, you know, because it starts out where, you know, he's just saying, like, um, what was it? When he was um, over, I think, first meeting Dante's parents, and Dante just goes up and gives his dad a kiss on the cheek, like it's no big deal. And, you know, and, and Ari's just kind of, like in awe of like having such an uncomplicated relationship where someone could just walk up and kiss their father, you know? And, um, and then later on we see that I think his father is starting to try to reach out. I think this was kind of at the halfway point where, um, he said, my father decided he'd read everything I read. Maybe that was our way of talking. And I mean, I think we would all agree here that, reading the same book and talking about it is a great way to, to not only open up, you know, dialogue of the book, but just to kind of start talking about your thoughts and feelings in general. And then at the very end of the book, I really liked this quote. I came to understand that my father was a careful man to be careful with people and with words was a rare and beautiful thing. And I think that really just touches on, uh, Jeanette, what you were saying, that he was. He was very gentle and careful because um, we know he saw terrible things in the war. And while that might have made it hard for him to communicate with Ari, he was never, like, an angry or mean person to Ari either. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Now, let's let's jump into some some deep discussion here. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of this book centers around discovering and accepting your identity. And I think we saw that with their personal identity, their sexual identity, and their cultural identity. So how do you think the book handled those kinds of topics? We can kind of start wherever you want, whichever one you want to start with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is... You go ahead. Um, This book covers so much of that. And I was like, whoa, I mean, this isn't just a book, you know, about coming out or being gay. This is just the book about your identity in general. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like that because 
you know, not only do you have to struggle with being gay, you have to struggle with being whatever ethnicity you are and how that ethnicity deals with people being gay and, you know, people around you, like what kind of culture are you around? Um, that gets really confusing and hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and, you know, I think that's one of the, you know, problems not problems, issues Ari had, I think, with himself was he was struggling with so many things, although um, Dante was struggling with his cultural identity um, more than Ari was. Um, but I th- And that's another point was, you know, each kid was dealing with a different sort of identity in, in their way. Um, so he kind of touched on everything, but it wasn't like it was messily done. It didn't feel like... Um, he was just checking boxes, you know? Um, right. <clears throat> so I think that was, it was really well done, I thought, with the identity. Because it's, one thing is already hard enough. <laughs> like, having <laughs> to deal with multiple things is 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 pretty hard. I mean, um, in for me personally, I think it's a personal identity in my case was kind of, my journey through high school because I went to a school that was pretty much, you know, 80% Asian. So I really didn't have to really worry about my ethnicity or culture. <laughs> um, but I mean, I was introverted and I was kind of a nerd and, you know, so that's a struggle. That's the only struggle that I went through. I can't even, even reading the book, it's still like, well, I can't even imagine going through high school with all these multiple struggles of trying to figure out who you are. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's true. definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's kind of a lot, of, a lot of what I was thinking too, Susan, in the sense that I love that this book wasn't just about a romance. Mm-hmm. I love that it was about finding your identity in a lot of different ways. And I liked how um, the characters and the author like looks at this. Um, my personal experience was growing up Um, one of very few Hispanics in a place where there were a lot of um, white Americans and particularly people of Irish descent. Mm. Um, So, you know, I kind of always felt like I'm not quite part of this one group, but also I wasn't, you know, I wasn't personally from another country um, I didn't grow up speaking Spanish, so I also kind of also always kind of felt I wasn't part of this other group as well. And even within the Hispanic culture, um, for example, my husband and I were both Hispanic, and we even have similar backgrounds, but we're from two very different ways of looking at our culture. Mm. And to hear them talk about, well, you know, you're not Mexican enough or, you know, oh, that, well, that part makes you a Mexican was really, really kind of fun for me. I like that they had a sense of humor about it because that was really hard for me as a kid to um, come to terms with being different in, in, um, in cultures where I only kind of half fit in. I, I really liked how the book handles personal, sexual, and cultural identity because it handles in a way that's really, I mean, it's really poignant from a um, cultural and sexual identity point of view, especially, you know, the parents talk about it and the kids talk about it. And 
Um, it's really front and center in this book, but I, I think they really tackle it from a personal acceptance um, sort of a thing. You know, accepting that there's no one way to be something and accepting that, the, you know, it's that's okay. You know, it's okay that you're different. It's okay that, you know, you, maybe you don't fit exactly the mold. Um, you know, there, there were certain instances where um, you could see where it was so important for them to fit into that, into like um, the Mexican mold or the sexuality mold. Um, when Ari gets the truck, he's just so proud of yeah. that truck. He's so proud. He's like, I have a real Mexican truck. It's, it's real, you know, it, it like really helps solidify that self-identity for him. And, and then when, you know, when Dante, you know, comes out to Ari and he's just like, you know, my parents are pregnant, you know, that they better have a boy and that boy is definitely going to like girls. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so that way my parents are proud. You know, it, it's, it's this, like these little moments where, um, and they're not so little. I, I feel like every moment in this book is big. I don't know yeah. how that's possible, <laughs> but I really do. I feel like, you know, even the stargazing is big. I feel like every single moment is a big moment, which I guess, you know, that's how it feels when you're a kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. every moment yep. does feel giant. And he, the, the author does a real great job at, at making everything feel like that. Um, See, I feel the opposite. I feel like every moment is small and like, but in like important in that way that like, you know, every piece is necessary. Right. That's what I mean. I mean, like I, I couldn't parse out a moment in this book that, that could have made the cutting room floor. That's what I mean by big. Yeah. You know, I feel like every, maybe important is a better word. I feel like, like you said, every moment is important. Um, it all adds up to the greater, bigger picture of personal acceptance, um, which I think, you know, in my experience, um, I think that's the greatest possible thing you can have is personal acceptance of who you are mm -hmm. um, and watching this kid go through that um, you know in such deep denial of everything he is or not everything he is it's not everything he is but you know uh, of a key part of who he is uh, you know it was it was really touching and I thought they handled it really well yeah and to follow up on what you guys are talking about I think what it is because I was trying to even reading the book I was trying to figure it out it's because they don't make a huge deal out of them. Um, so when it was discussed before where Dante tells Ari, you like to fight. And Dante's like, oh, not really. And I was like, yes, you do. <laughs> it's Well, not like that because it wasn't accusatory. <laughs> um, but he was like, yeah, you do. And it was very matter of fact. They didn't make a huge deal about it. They didn't have a fight you know, like it wasn't like my mind was blown that I realized I love to fight, you know, <laughs> it's very right, matter right. of fact. Yeah. And the same thing with Dante coming out, you know, hey, I'm gay. And I was like, OK, that's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're always yeah. my friend, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was really <laughs> matter of fact. And I really enjoyed that because it's like, oh, thank you for not like making a huge big deal out of it, because sometimes it's just not. You know, um, most of the time it's just not. Yeah. The, well, the time that was really big. And I think that's why he, the author made such a big point of kind of keeping everything level was with Ari. Like so that his mm -hmm. coming out would be like 
the most impactful, you know, because it's obviously through his eyes, you know. So then for him to discover that about himself is what is what the big deal is. And I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I liked how um, I think I don't know if it was it, I don't know. It happened a couple of times throughout the book. But at one point when Ari's talking with his mom. And she's like, well, you know, you're kind of in an ecotone in your life. And, you know, they explain that that's like where in geography, that's a terrain where there's two different ecosystems that are meeting. So it's kind of like you're in this transition. And I think that's a really interesting concept to think of, especially in your teenage years, that you're living kind of in this transition period. And um, and this was actually really early. looks Page 16 of the book, um, Ari is saying, maybe life was just a series of phases. And Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) that's true. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm still in a phase. I don't even know what phase it is anymore. But, um, (laughs) Uh, you know, I I, I liked the use of ecotone. I thought the use of ecotone was really interesting because, um, I mean, I'm used to thinking of that exact same concept as um, with the word liminal, liminal space, we are in a, um, which I guess was very English major to say, I guess, like, oh, yes, they're in a liminal space right now, la-di-da. <laughs> um, but ecotone was, just, I've never, one, I'd never heard that before. And I was like, oh, this book's 16-year-old character knows more about this than I do. Great. <laughs> Thanks, public education. No, seriously, though. Thank you, public <laughs> education. Please fund public education. Okay. Um, uh, I'll second that. <laughs> no, love to the teachers. Love to everything. Um, yeah, so I thought it was it was a really neat word, and I thought it was a really neat thought and concept and way to describe what I, I, what I normally think of is li- as liminal space and the idea that, you know, that transition is actively happening, which I think is a little bit different from liminal space where you're just sort of in this um, space where anything can happen because you're between two things, but like active transitioning is something a little bit different. I thought it was really cool uh, introduction to that concept. Um, You know, also just in general, yes. (laughs) Especially Mm -hmm. as a teenager, I feel like you're in transition from like literally day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, like you're, body, your mind, your hormones, what you want, um, sort of this hellscape. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean just as a, a teenager? I feel like I'm always in transition now. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Slow, don't you think it's slowed down a little bit? I feel like I make like large leaps every six months as opposed to like every 12 hours. No, I agree <laughs> on that. Because I work with, uh, I work with kids. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You, well, that's true. You're probably seeing, you're seeing all kinds of ecotones. <laughs> uh, and then one um, one other quote that kind of goes along with the ecotone that I really liked, and it was quite near the end of the book. Um, so Ari says, scars, a sign that you had been hurt, a sign that you had healed. Maybe we just live between hurting and healing. Like my father, I think that's where he lived, in that in-between space, in that ecotone. My mother too, maybe. It's so sad. But well, that but that's this whole book. It's like it's sad and beautiful, and it just makes you feel things. <laughs> and I also think it's hopeful because yeah. it's not like you're always living and hurting. You're always living in that transition between hurting and healing. I think that uh, mm-hmm. that signals a lot of hope, which is one of the things 
that I really appreciate about the book is that it's covers a lot of sad ground. It covers a lot of sad experiences. And I think it always leans towards hope and optimism. Man, I don't see that quote as hopeful. I appreciate that you do. I really do. And and maybe I'll try to like move my, switch my brain into, force it into that mold. Um, I, I just can't, I see that quote and it's just like, you're never fully healed. Like there's never a time where you're not going to be hurting over something, which I guess like life, if, if God, if this last, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's pretty true of life. It's just, I mean, for a 16 year old to think it, <laughs> it's really sad uh, or, or to like to come to that realization. I, I don't, I don't think it's untrue, but I just, I find it really, I don't know. I find it really, really sad. Well, it talks about how you've healed. And I like the fact that he like brings his mother into it because I think that, you know, his mother is kind of helping his father heal and kind of helping him guide toward the healing from the hurting. Um, Like she definitely acts like a bridge often between um, Ari and and, um, his father and the way they can communicate and things like that. And that is part of what's helping them get through these experiences, getting through these hurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I see it. So just to explain how I see it is hopeful. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about kind of the, the sexual identity that definitely plays a large part in this book. What did you think about the fact that Dante just like seems like he knew he was gay and like had no problem talking about it or at least talking to it to Ari about it maybe not his parents which is a whole other thing um that we can talk about and then Ari was just like in such denial that even though we're seeing this story from Ari's perspective like we're not even being let in on him truly recognizing his feelings you know like he's hiding it even from himself so what did you think about kind of those two different ways of i guess in a way coming to terms with your sexuality eventually at least <laughs> i mean none of oh sorry you go ahead i was just gonna say i think all types of like identity like coming to terms with your identity whether it's personal or cultural or sexual i think it's very um I think it's individual and there are going to be people who are, you know, just able to see themselves more clearly from the beginning. And there are people who don't. And, you know, part of that is the space in which Ari is in where like, it's hard for him to communicate about his feelings anyways. But I think part of that is also, just it's a very personal thing. Um, like they could see things in each other. They could recognize things in each other. I think Tara, you were saying that um, very, you know, clearly and easily, which makes it easy to communicate with each other about it. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy for them to see it in themselves. Right. Right. Accepting something as someone else and accepting something in yourself are it completely different. Um, and I totally agree with you. There's no one way to do anything, you know, um, but coming out, as, especially there's so much 
um, that is involved in in coming out, personal acceptance, and um, you know the the just the fear of dealing with uh, not dealing with it, but like um, of expressing it to people that you love and the potential that they may reject who you are. Um, I think that's really you know obviously and is very very scary for a lot of people. Um, you know, I I think that uh, the way Dante comes out is at least to Ari is fairly natural. You know, um, he's in some way in love with this person and can't help himself, you know, from talking about it with this person, hopes that maybe there will be some reciprocation, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's really natural. You take those sorts of bigger relationship risks at that age. Um, so that felt really, really normal to me. Um, uh, Ari's personal journey with his sexual identification killed me. Um, like the fact that he wouldn't masturbate because obviously masturbation meant he would have to think of somebody and that somebody was probably not going to be who he t quote unquote wanted, who like not he, who he actually wanted, but not who he wanted to want, mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason. Um, you know, that he was just so deep in the denial hole so deep and it was so it was so painful but like slowly crawling himself out um you know it, it it's funny what you can convince yourself of you know and i think that's true at any age i don't think that's just true for a 16 year old who's coming to terms with the sexuality i think that's true at any age about almost anything you can to protect yourself or at, you know seemingly to protect yourself you can convince yourself of almost anything um, it was interesting to see that play out here. And I'm, you know, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, whether it was right for Ari's parents to get involved or wrong for Ari's parents to get involved and how involved should they have gotten. Um, but a little kick in the butt <laughs> <laughs> was probably a good thing. Um, yeah. It, maybe it should have been smaller. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, you know. Yeah, I, I really thought they did a good job with um, Ari's internal dialogue. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of that probably is from the author's firsthand experience. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be linking an like an interview article in the show notes uh, that NPR had with the author. And uh, the author is gay, but he didn't come out until he was 54. I, wow. Yeah. Um, so living in that like state of denial, probably a very deep denial. Um, I think this is coming from a, a very true place for him and was probably very difficult to write. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I said before, I have a lot of gay lesbian family members. Um, my sister and my aunt are lesbian. I have a gay uncle. My uncle took a girl to prom. My uncle didn't come out to his parents till he was 20 something, which is not 54. But if you met my <laughs> uncle, you'd be surprised about that. <laughs> like, um, he's, he's very involved in the community and uh, just a wonderful human being. Um, and one of the first people he actually came out to was my mom when my parents first got married, which is really funny. Um, but my, you know, given that, 
you know, my sister, and because that is really just a personal journey. I don't think she's in that, um, I don't know, 16, you know, she, she dated guys. She definitely dated guys. Um, you know, I think when you're young and in high school and so much of society and pressure is on you, you're just trying not to drown. Mm-hmm. So much of your life is trying not to drown or be pointed out or to be made different um, in a way that's going to get you uh, beat up or made fun of or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so I think it's it, it's so easy to stay in denial for those things or so easy to be um, swept up and just trying to be the status quo. It's hard to be yourself. And that way I think Dante is really, really brave um, that early on. But, you know, like we said, there's no one way to do anything, really. Mm-hmm. Now, I think probably one reason it might have been harder for Ari to really come to terms with uh, his feelings was, at least in the beginning, it gets better as the book goes on. But, like, his family does not discuss their feelings. Like, they they just seem to, like, bury everything, you know? Um, <laughs> Truth. Yep. Like, you know, his brother has been in prison for, what, at this point, it's been, like, what, like, 13 years, 12 years, something like that. And they pretty much just act like he died, like, Ari doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know what his, you know, his brother did. They don't even talk about him. So we have that aspect that he's trying to deal with. And then we also find out as the story goes on that actually Ari's aunt was a lesbian and like no one ever brought that up, you know? And so like, there's some really big pieces that he's doesn't know that are pretty integral into his life. So what did you think about all of that? And then um, I guess we can just kind of tie into like finding out about what happened with Bernardo and all of that, because I know we're running out of time. So let's just talk all about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I I felt so bad for him because apparently also Ari just loved Bernardo. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to all of a sudden lose his brother... I mean, I'm sure he can't help but think, like, what really happened? Was I a part of the reason why he left? I mean, he knows he's in prison, so, I mean, of course, like, he had no part of it. But, I mean, you know, kids can be irrational in that sort of sense, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, in a way, I can see why his parents don't want to talk about it. Um, It's not the best choice to make. Um, But, I mean, I'm sure on their part, not only there were probably, you know, feeling shame, but in the sense of where did we go wrong in our parenting? Were we terrible parents? Um, And so it was probably hard for them to talk about it because then they're feeling like this tremendous guilt of like them maybe doing something wrong to have Bernardo take the path he took. Um, So it's just, so, you know, it's, the escapist easiest way just to not talk about it. But then of course that causes a lot more problems. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And with not telling Ari about his aunt, I mean, because it tied in with, you know, Bernardo going to prison and everything. um, I get, I, you know, maybe she just didn't want to talk about it just at all period. Um, But I wish, I wish she did. Cause that, you know, that would have just helped him out so much more, but then maybe we didn't have a book. You know, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, yeah, we definitely see that when he's in the hospital, um, like 
<laughs> you know, he's, what did he say? Yeah, I'll go talk to a counselor if you tell me about my brother. Yeah. And that shuts her up real quick and she just walks out the room and it's just like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think they're, you know, as parents, that maybe, you know, they, as since they're dealing with, you know, their own difficulties handling these situations, you know, maybe it is hard for them to talk about with their son, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have to protect themselves as well as, you know, protect their son. Um, Cause you know, if they're worried, for example, about Ari's mom falling apart, you know, she knows her son needs her. So they, you know, I'm sure they think that they're doing what's best for him as well as doing what's best for themselves. But I, I think they inadvertently caused a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think I'm glad that they recognize the importance of opening up to him and realizing that, you know, he can handle it. And, you know, if they, you know, go slowly, so can they. Because, oh, it was painful. It, it was painful. I feel, I feel like the the um, eventual information we get as to why they keep silent about it, you know, the fact that his mom is the one who has the breakdown about what happened, and his mom really seems to be the person who holds the the shit together, you know, like <laughs> um, without her, things probably go to hell in a handbasket real fast. Um, you know. Uh, I, I think because of that, they're like just uh, Ari's parents are just really sensitive to her needs to keep it together. Um, and I think that trumps what they believe is Ari's right to that information. Yeah. Um, it's painful, but I understand it. Like, I understand when you're a parent and you've got all these other things going on and you just need this one thing to not affect you on a day-to-day basis, how easy it'd be to just never talk about it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But oh, I am, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I am glad to see that eventually they do open up about him and eventually Ari does sort of demand it. Like, he needs to, he needs to, like, be really upfront with them to, for them, for it to finally click to them. Um, mm-hmm. But but I understand why. I understand why it takes that for them to get there. Um. But did anyone else think it was really quite abrupt and a little bit out of left field about what Bernardo actually did? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it was a little out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we're coming to sort of the parts of the book I did not like. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I... It was, it was weird. Um... I don't know if that's the right word, but it seems, it does. It seems out of left field. It seems kind of out of the blue. I I figured, you know, Bernardo was, you know, in prison for possibly life that he, you know, he'd probably hurt somebody. He'd probably injured at the very least, maybe killed somebody. Mm -hmm. But I really wasn't expecting it to be, you know, the way it, it turned was. out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to like keep it 
semi-non-spoilery in case listeners haven't read the book yet. But yeah, I was just like, what? And even Dante was like, huh? And then they just kind of pass over it. (laughs) Like, uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I mean, just... I don't. I don't know. There was that, and some other parts were just that. That seems a little much. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I still wonder if it was somehow like gang related. That's what like, I was thinking. Was you know, maybe. some sort of like, like disgusting, like crazy uh, initiation. I, I like. I just. I don't know. It just seems so. I mean, there is some hints towards that in the book that it could be gang related. Yeah, uh, there's some fear around around that, you know, about keeping everybody busy so that they don't get involved in something like that. Um, but there's also talk about, like, drunk driving and Ari's mom's so, like, terrified of him driving drunk that yeah. I, I really thought it was going to have something to do with drunk driving. Yeah, yeah. that's yep. true, too. Yeah. Yep. I mean, um, the, what happened is an issue, and I think the author wanted to address that issue in some way and um, just didn't put enough didn't put enough steps to make it, you know, to, 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 to like make it piece together in a way that felt natural. Yeah. Cause it was a little out of left field. I understand <laughs> wanting to address it. I understand that it's an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I agree. I think, I think it could have used maybe just a, a hint or two <laughs> somewhere. Some, yeah. some sort of lead up. Some sort of lead up. <laughs> yeah. Before like, boom, buddy on it. <laughs> Um, that is a terrible thing to do to a, that is just bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause it, it makes also, it makes it really hard to see Ari's point of view and loving the brother too. After that, you're like, dude, do you still love your brother? Right. Just out of curiosity. Um, so yeah, it would have been nice to have a little bit of a lead up. Well, it doesn't yeah. reconcile the two people, like, you know. Clearly, Bernardo has, like, anger issues because he kills another person after that, which they just tack on there and never explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, like, it doesn't, like, this guy's clearly got anger issues and it doesn't reconcile with the portrait of a brother that Ari has painted thus far. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, to be fair, is a portrait from a very young mind. Yeah. True. It's an idealized mind. And that, that does, in some ways, make sense. And And, you know, I think... You know, thinking about it now, thinking about it now, um, it's one of the last big things we learn. It's one of probably the last big hurts Dante, uh, not Dante, Ari has in the book. And he doesn't, there's no resolution to it, right? There's no like pretty bow for this situation. And that goes back to the quote Meredith said earlier that like all of life is between hurting and healing. Mm -hmm. So we get this at the end of the book without a resolution we're all sort of left like oh why why don't we have more information why don't we you know can we get more about this this is really sudden but maybe it's meant to be that way maybe mm-hmm. it's meant to leave you in a little bit of a state of uh, you know i don't feel great maybe that's on purpose yeah yeah it's possible yeah it's um, possible and then also, yeah, we touched a little bit on it, but on the the ending where I don't want to say Ari's parents forced him out, but kind of. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Um, how did we feel about that conversation? Oh, I mean, uh, uh, 
I mean, personally, so funny family story time. My <laughs> parents were certain one of us was gay. Like, they didn't know who, though. Like, <laughs> like, like honestly, though, they were, like, certain our entire lives. I don't know how many times my parents have sat one or both of us down and been like, it's okay. You can be whoever you want. You know, it's, it's all right. Like at one point, my dad literally took me to a diner and was just like, listen, are you gay? And I'm like, no, I would tell, why would I have any problem with that? I would tell you. Um, but like on the other side, he's also done that to my sister where Al was not ready to, to come out yet. And the, she, he, he sat down with her and he's just like, you know, you know, anyone you want to bring home, I'll be accepting of anyone. And, you know, sh- she definitely knew what he was trying to get at at that point in time. And she's just like, yeah, like, you know, if I brought home, you know, Tupac or someone, it'd be fine. Right. You'd be fine with them. He's like, yeah. Or Jane, whoever. <laughs> And my sister called me freaking out. I'm like, you just need to tell them. Um, but, but like, they, they, I mean, I think in real life, people don't appreciate that. Or at least my sister definitely never, and my sister and I definitely never appreciated that. Um, I think maybe for the purposes of this book, um, the fact that Dante's, not Dante, I keep saying that, it, Ari's dad, um, never really communicated with him. Um, and, and Ari was never quite sure if his dad, I mean, this sounds terrible, but truly loved him or thought about him. I think he always knew that he loved him, loved him, but like, you know, thought or cared or took interest, took interest in him. Maybe Uh that's the, the way to look at it. Um, to have his father be the one to be like, how, you know, how could you ever be ashamed of loving this person? I think that it wraps it up in a nice way for this book mm-hmm. um, because it, it sort of wraps up two storylines at once. But at the same time, yeah, I think in real life that wouldn't have gone over quite as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely came out of a place of love. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, like I, I'm thinking a bit more kind of like your dad was doing, like, you know, we love you and, and, and you know, anyone, you know, any, anyone you love, blah, blah, blah. That, that kind of thing, not just like you're in love with Dante, you're gay and you yeah. need to accept that, you know, yeah, that's like, like, maybe that's what I mean. Like a kick in an ass may have been good this far, maybe a step too far. <laughs> just well, definitely like, you know, after that point, you know, Dante is apparently at this point where he's like, we, you know, we can't be friends anymore because, like, my feelings are getting in the way. Um, Which maybe Dante's parents and Ari's parents are recognizing as well. It's like, you know, you're going to lose your best friend if you don't kind of accept that you love him. The Mm -hmm. part that I found kind of weird about it was the very strong implication that it's like, yeah, you love Dante you're gay, like, get over it. It's like, well, is he gay? Like, could he be bi? Like, you've basically just decided your son's sexuality at this table here. I mean, do like, they say gay? Like, do they say they you're don't. gay? I think they say they you're strongly, in love with Ari, sort of, or you're in love with Dante, sort of get over it. They don't, but <laughs> they kind of strongly imply, like, this yeah. is who you are, like, you're gay. And I kind of felt like, you know, maybe just kind of ease into that part and just kind of be like, <laughs> well, think, you know, think about your feelings about Dante 
you know, don't you think you love him? And let him figure out his own identity from right. there. <laughs> yeah. He did kind of need the kick in the pants, I agree, but just... Right, because he was. He was so into it. so in denial, and I'm Deep. sure that is, that's, that's like, that would be really hard as a parent Deep. to watch, right? I mean, like... Yeah. seeing like this anger and like self-loathing in your child because they're so in denial about something um would definitely be hard i just yeah i don't know huh just the uh, yeah hmm. the execution was uh, I don't know. yeah that's a good way to put it <laughs> execution was not great <laughs> it was basically yeah. sir nick you know <laughs> you mean so well you mean so well, Ari Spear. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a little wish fulfillment from the author. That's what I was thinking, too. Like his, that he was like, his parents I would wish help him. someone had sat, yeah, sat mm-hmm. me down at that age and, like, you know. That's a good point. Because how many, how many decades of his life were living in, in I, I guess, denial or at least closeted? You know, I, I don't know, like, how, exactly how he lived his life, but... Um, that's tough. Yeah, it'd be hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and hey, you know, in this case, you know, the parents clearly knew their son because it worked out well for Ari. It did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and as we and, said, there's no one good way to do anything. So for, maybe for some people, this is exactly what they need. <laughs> and this is the way it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just to end it on a little bit of a lighter note I guess because <laughs> um, we did I think we liked the book and I'll ask you that in a second but um, I really enjoyed this, all the different scenes in the desert um, I just thought they were lonely and beautiful and touching and like with the telescope and everything it was just They're really so nice pretty. <laughs> did you guys like those scenes? Uh, yeah that was alright <laughs> <laughs> Susan, there was no car chases. No, I'm kidding. No, um, it's, it was a little too sweet for me. <laughs> Aw. Okay. I did that all the time, though. I used to, I mean, oh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. The boys, I mean, my friends at the time and I would, like, go to random places and look up at the stars. Or, oh, no, I don't you know, mind that. I think in the scope of their relationship, it was like, okay, guys, this is like incredibly sweet. Like, <laughs> you know, just I don't, I don't know. But I mean, that was my attitude towards the relationship through the whole book. So, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like there's, I, I really enjoyed them. I, I felt they were, I don't know. I felt they were fairly true. You know, you have so few um, avenues of independence at that age. One sure. of the only avenues of independence you have in that age if you're not, like, a terrible kid. Um, <laughs> no offense to terrible kids. Um, <laughs> go out into the middle of nowhere and, like, talk. No, I no? get it. But, like I said, I think it was the relationship as a whole. Um, I thought it was really nice that they just go and talk and stuff like that. But then, like, just in general, <laughs> um, putting it all in together um i was like okay this was i think them going to see the stars i think was the best part of their relationship but i was just oh this is a little little sweet guys you guys are too cute (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, well then, let me just ask, did you like the book and would you recommend it? Yes and yes. Hell yes and hell yes. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> yeah, um, I think especially for a teen, I think this is a good book for them to read. And not even just about coming out or being gay, just about finding yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think teenagers need more of that to begin yeah. with. So positive idea of parents that's really nice for teenagers yep. to have too yeah oh, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. Yeah. I mean and yeah I did like that I liked I liked the book I liked the exploration of identity I liked the relationships with the parents I mean there's just it was just a really moving book there's a lot I liked about it awesome well I am I also liked it and I would recommend it too so <laughs> yay it sounds like it all around was a, a good read for us yeah and our next book is a little different. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is Wallbanger by <laughs> Alice Clayton. I'm just our so excited that you had to say the words Wallbanger. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's it's our first true romance, right? Because Cushiel's Dart is still kind of a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Um, it, it, it is. Yeah. It doesn't end. It doesn't end happy. It, well, it doesn't end well, in like that gooey happy. Well, no, because Jen, Jen, from, from Book Riot, you know, mm -hmm. sort of schooled us on that. She was like, yeah, it doesn't really uphold to the like tenets of a romance. It has romance mm -hmm. elements, but doesn't hold. Up. Yeah, I never considered mm -hmm. Cushiel's Dart romance. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't. It's it's got romance kind of stuff in it but it's really more fantasy yeah. I would say yeah so hey look at us <laughs> we're reading romance out. and you know you're I giving, see this book everywhere the name eclectic it's due yep <laughs> we just is need to read a western last... right <laughs> oh, is this the last genre major genre we have to cover to have covered all of them um, um we haven't really we've done thriller have we done like horror I don't like know. A tr a true horror. horror. We've done true crime. Yes. We'll have to go and explore our list after <laughs> yeah, after we do, we're done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to uh, start wrapping this up, if you would like to find any information on the books that we've discussed today, including a link um, that Meredith mentioned uh, about the uh, book... Uh, Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Uh, you can go to our show notes at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 36. And where can people find you on the internet, Susan? People can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy at uh, rurikaicho, R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And you, Tara? Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy, all under the same name. And that is my name. And that is Tara, T-A-R-A, -A, Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N, all one word. How about you, Mayor? You can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, Litzy, and Instagram, all at Mare the Book Gal, M-E-R-E-T-H-E-B-O-O-K-G-A-L. And you, and Jeanette, where can they find you? <laughs> to find me, a little more complicated, but if you're looking on Goodreads or Litzy, I'm at J-M-T Rivera. And if you're looking on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Jeanette, D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. If you subscribe right now in your favorite podcatcher, you will never miss an episode, including some of our 
fancy, fun, special extra episodes, <laughs> one of which we have coming out this month. So if you look in your podcatcher on June 30th, you'll find an extra special interview with Patrick Phillips, the author of Blood at the Root, which we read this past February. You can read and review us on iTunes so other book nerds can find us. So do that. That helps other book nerds like you. And let's shelve this until next month. Bye. 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 Bye.